And like we said, we are back, and on this episode we have Peter Sand, and we tried to get this episode going quite a few times, and I'm glad we got to sit down and get it done. Peter is a AT in the secondary school setting in Iowa, uh, kind of has a unique story just about everything and how he got to his job, plus um, also working through COVID, and just really a lot of good tips on succeeding in the secondary school setting, so there's a lot of great information from Peter on this one. Uh, Peter is also one of our donators to the Throw a Lifeline program, which we did fulfill our one. We will be getting that out soon to someone who is nominated and or applied for that program. We're hoping to really get that rolling. So if you are able and willing, please consider making a donation to the Throw a Lifeline program. Any amount can help. We'll continue to throw as much money at it as we can from any avenues that we gain funds from ads, etc. But we're trying to get basic um, emergency supplies to ATs that just aren't able to get them for whatever reason through their employer or setting. So please consider that. You can find that at clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline. We'll also have that linked up and get that out on our socials. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. They're doing some great things um, as it comes to helping out ATs as well on a much bigger scale, always supporting the profession. Uh, please check them out for any of your sports medicine needs or just let them know if you have an idea. They're always willing to take that feedback and figure out what they can do to help us out. Without further ado, Enjoy this episode. episode of athletic training chat we are on with peter sand who is an athletic trainer um in iowa uh we've been trying to get this episode to happen for a while um mainly always pretty much my fault in terms of delaying it out but we're finally here finally got to record it um we connected initially uh because peter has donated to our throw a lifeline pack which we are going to get our first one out here um, as we finally hit our $200 mark uh, with that. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, so we'll get that out there. Uh, but then I uh, just wanted to have a conversation um, and see what Peter does and has some unique uh, perspectives on athletic training and some experiences. So without me continuing to ramble, I'm going to turn it over to Peter to let you kind of fill us in on your background. Thanks for having me, Joel. Um, been looking forward to this. Glad we connected. Uh, a little bit about me. I uh, went to Norwalk High School, uh, which is where I currently work. After high school, I went to Coe College up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, played soccer up there. I knew I wanted to go into healthcare. Um, that kind of made me think it was going to be nursing, but working with the athletic trainer uh, with the soccer team, I kind of fell into it. Loved it, um, continued on. After undergraduate, uh, I went up to the University of Northern Iowa, um, just north of where I had been, so up in Cedar Falls. Had a graduate assistant position with them. I was initially supposed to work with their wrestling team. Ended up not passing my BOC on the first try. 
Um, back in the day, the old written simulation with the, the highlighter, trying to select the responses to work through an injury evaluation, uh, that one got me. So didn't pass the first try. So they kind of, they shifted me to a clinic outreach position, which I initially didn't think I would like, uh, but ended up falling in love with the secondary school level there. Um, I was working at Hudson High School, which was just south of Cedar Falls, uh, where the university was located. A small, small school. Um, started working there, continued on. I got hired on by the, the group I was working with as a GA. Uh, they kept me on full time after my graduate assistant position came, came up. So I ended up spending a full five years um, with that group and worked at Hudson High School for five years. Um, at the end there, I got a call from a close friend of mine who was working down here in Norwalk. I uh, grew up with him, went to college, and he said, hey, our athletic training position came up. You should come on down. Um, so I applied for that. Luckily got the position. Um, came down in June of 2011. And uh, so I hit 10 years this summer. This is my 11th school year at Norwalk. Um, loved being back in the community um, that I grew up in, giving back. And uh, while I was here, met the, the love of my life, Alicia. We got married, um, became a stepfather, and we have uh, 18-year-old um, Cameron. And we also have a three-year-old toddler named Finn um, that we all live in town here um, and just love being in the community I grew up in. Awesome. Which has quite the quite the spread on the children keeps life interesting. It is. It's always eventful uh, at our house. Um, I used to joke that neither of the kids would sleep with a teenager <laughs> and an infant. So, uh, but we're 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 doing good. Um, it's it's a good nice little family we have. Awesome. Well, you're actually the second AT that we've interviewed that works at their previous. Um, high school, which is just kind of interesting. You have been there now for quite some time. They were still kind of early in their career. Mm -hmm. um, I got to imagine there's probably some carryover, at least at the beginning of your career um, there where same coaches may have been the coaches when you were a high school um, athlete, uh, potentially ADs, whatever it may be. Um, what kind of unique challenges did that bring and or any kind of unique advantages to taking that position back where you had, you know, gone to high school and a lot of people had seen you kind of grow up. Right. Um, I don't really didn't experience many disadvantages. Um, you know, my athletic director was my high school history teacher. Uh, the coaches that I worked with, they were coaching back when I was in school. Uh, the soccer boy soccer coach I worked with was my soccer coach. Um, so I think initially there's kind of a, a feeling out phase, but you had that in any position. Sure. Um, luckily, being a good kid growing up, uh, they knew me. Um, so I think it was just figuring out how I kind of worked as an athletic trainer. Um, but once we, we got the ball rolling that way, it's, it's really been a sense of pride for, for some of the coaches and some of the, the administrators that I've come back to the community um, that I grew up in. I'm giving back. I'm helping um, the student athletes just like they did with me, uh, sure. giving back in the same respects. Um, so 
it's really, it's been a great fit. Um, haven't seen many disadvantages. Um, so I've been very fortunate in that aspect. So when you got back and you kind of reference this, you know, any new job, it's developing relationships and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I like saying, you know, proving your worth, but, or, you know, demonstrating your value, you know, what you yeah. bring to the table, you know, and everything. And there we'll get into a little bit of the mindset on that. Um, and then in the next question, but um, what did you find was most successful in kind of reforging those relationships and developing though, is to help with the success you've had there. You you referenced you were, um, you know, not a troublemaker or a problem yeah. necessarily when you were in high school, which obviously set a good foundation. Um, but anything that you found to be most successful with just returning and kind of reforging those relationships um, to help it be as successful as it has been? I think it's the same as what most – most athletic trainers are going to do going into any position, just learning and building those relationships, learning how to interact with those coaches and keeping that communication up um, about how you work uh, with the athletes, how you work alongside the administrators and the coaches, um, just keeping the open communication and collaborating um, to work and get the kids back to where they, they need to be. Um, early on, we did have a couple trials um, where we we had to go through some some issues and work through some things um, but really if you're there for the kids and you're there for the ultimately their health care um, and that's your priority as long as your communication is there and you're being open and you're having good conversations um, you work through those well and if they see that you're advocating for the kids um, you're not just trying to set your authority. If you have any authority right off the bat, it really, it leads to, I think, more of an open relationship, more collaborating um, as you move forward. So being open with the communication and open with your, uh, your view and your interactions with the coaches right off the bat, I think will help um, any new athletic trainer going into a different situation. So kind of building off of that, and um, I think in just when we were, it seems like ages ago now, going back and forth on, you know, kind of topics to cover, uh, you mentioned how you feel like a truly valued member of a, a, a team and a larger department. Um, and as you just referenced, I thought you, a key word you said was alongside, you know, administration and the coaches. And I, I know for me, that was something that was hard early in my career is, you know, who did I work for? Who did I work with? Like I'm kind of become big on those two words and like the, you don't really work for the coaches necessarily, but you can work with them, but that's not always the mindset that comes back to you. And so when you reference being a valued member of, you know, the overall kind of team or department, what does that meant to you? And, you know, again, how did you kind of get there slash advice you might give to other ATs with that? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, really feeling valued is, is kind of just that, that shared and earned trust and respect with the different coaches and the administrators. Um, for I'll go more for the athletics department. Um, it kind of started for me personally. Um, my AD 
kind of just it was one of those where he's like we share the same late nights we're here for all the events and you know typically i was there when he was leaving finishing up on some notes or things like that um and it kind of started out where he was like you are here just as much as the rest of the athletic departments. Um, and he started doing kind of a football Friday where we would get together as a department on Fridays for lunch, get pizza, be able to talk shop, talk about different things with the department, talked about just our, our lives and our families, things like that. And I really built the relationship within our department. Um, and it's just, it's continuing to go from there. Um, last year with COVID, kind of got leaned on pretty heavily. Um, and I feel like I got more ingrained within the department and within kind of the, the school district as a whole, because in May, everything was shut down. All of a sudden the Iowa governor says, Hey, we're going to start sports June one. Um, and immediately after that press conference, I was, I was talking on the phone with the AD and we were coming up with our plan and trying to figure that out. And because, you know, school nurses weren't necessarily available. Um, a lot of the healthcare stuff kind of fell on me, um, which we worked through, learned a lot. Um, we were able to, to even build better relationships going through that, but being at each sports practices and knowing the different day-to-day -day stuff where the AD might not see it, um, coming up with those policies and procedures, um, it really, we already had a great working relationship um, but it, it continued to build um, working through that. Um, my athletic director did give me a lot of a lot of praise after that, which I again, most athletic trainers we we don't necessarily want or need. He's just happy to contribute. Um, but it did bring that kind of, I think, more out to the stakeholders within our school district about how involved I was, not just with like the individual teams, but with the departments and the yeah. the school district as a whole um so that that has been really great um i think building with the coaches and uh working alongside them again my experience may be a little different than a lot of others i've been lucky here um at norwalk where the coaches have had an athletic trainer previously and they know what what we could contribute and so a lot of the Healthcare decisions were just um, given to me and, you know, a lot of um, autonomy there to say, you know, this kid can or cannot go. This is what we're doing. And, you know, they wouldn't necessarily question it. But again, that we would collaborate and figure out like, hey, this kid might not be able to play or fully practice, but can he do this at practice and um, or figure out how to keep them involved, keep them active. So it was it was truly kind of more working alongside instead of working underneath any of our coaches um, coming in, luckily. Um, so it, it, it worked out very well um, where we were just working side by side for the success of the kids and the success of the programs and for the school. Have you found that there's any, been any way that you've approached, you know, how you've interacted with coaches to like help continue to build that, you know, you talk about communication and obviously the old cliche, but it's very true is, you know, that's a two way street. Like mm -hmm. most coaches are expecting that you're coming to them with, you know, injury reports, which are all part of the duties. But at the same time, you know, 
and I've found with coaches, like you can come to me as well. Like, I don't necessarily need to chase you down if you've got a question or if there's something going on, have you with, within that collaboration, is that something that you've kind of had or is just kind of grew organically um, with some of the coaches you work with? Every coach is different. You know, as, as we all know, um, everybody has their own, their own different style. You know, some coaches um, it's, if you try and approach them during practice as well, what can they do? That's all I need to know. Cause I got to focus on this. You know um, you got to figure out whether you try and get with them during practice, if you can get with them before or just an injury report and then communicate a different way. But really um, I try to make a point, especially with new coaches, cause we've had some, some cycle through, we have sure. a lot who have been the same the whole time, but trying to find carve out time I know it can be hard during their practice but going out and either before or during chatting with them about what's going on with certain kids or what's going on with the team um, or even just after practice if it's not about job you know it's not about the job if you're just talking about how what they're what's going on in their life if you saw something on social media that you want to chat with them about you share an interest that you want to you know share with them that way um just finding what works for each kind of personality and building the relationship that way um and i've been fortunate where a lot of our coaches their kids have come up through uh the program they've been student athletes of mine and you know working with their kids also helps build um, a lot because love our coaches but lots of times you know if their kid is has a concussion or something they're like uh remind me again what the steps are and you work through it where it's just different perspective that they kind of catch um and then it also it it builds that trust builds that working relationship and it, it just works out very well perfect um, before we kind of move on to another topic, anything else around this kind of building this kind of valued member culture, you know, obviously you feeling like a valued member, but then also I think what you've mentioned goes a long way where you haven't shut out coaches where they can't have a conversation with you. Like you had just referenced of, yeah, maybe they can't go full go at practice, but here's some other ideas that you can go back and forth with anything else you want to cover kind of in that general topic before we switch over. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as my career has kind of progressed, I I lean a lot more on my coaches. Um, Really looking back, I don't, the amount of kids we have participating at our school has grown, but then the amount of work has also grown. Um, So I don't know if it's because of that, but I've been relying on my coaches more to be like, hey, I need you to take this kid through these exercises or do these segments of practice and not these where I can't necessarily see and then get your input. And how that started a couple of years ago, you know, kind of it's built where now I go to the coach and I'm like, hey, this is what I so-and-so has going on these are my ideas what do you think how is practice set up and then they're like oh well we're doing this and it's something that I wasn't even aware of and I'm like it's even better than what I thought you know just collaborating that way and and building because 
they're going to keep the kid more involved. They know the kids, especially if it's a lower level kid that I haven't worked with for before or limited before, they're going to know a little bit more of the personality, how to keep that kid involved. But then um, just ideas functionally um, and sports specific wise that, you know, us as athletic trainers sometimes don't think about that will benefit. Um, that's really helped me out. And I've started doing that a heck of a lot more over the past couple of years. And it's, it's really benefited the kids and benefited the relationship that I have with the coaches. It's awesome. Yeah. Those are always my favorite conversations. I go out there and it's like, all right, I think they can do this, this, and this. And they're like, well, actually we were going to just kind of really shut them down and only have them do this and this done. Perfect. Let's go with that plan. Yeah. I also like the conversations where like, oh, well, you just want to shut him down. And, and, you know, I come out and I'm like, no, I want him to do him or her to do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, that's great. We didn't even expect that. Like, yep. Oh. Yeah, I've had those too, as I'm trying to figure out if they're going to be able to get back safely. Yeah. And we got to have something. Yep. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, so you've been doing the secondary school settings for about what? 17 years give or take 15 17 it sounds like yeah about 16 my, my math is generally good <laughs> in there. um people have asked me if i've ever wanted to work at high school and i said i don't know that i could personally do it because of how busy it is um and the amount of juggling and managing and patients and coaches um, and events. I just, I don't know that that's something that's in my wheelhouse, but I have the utmost respect for secondary school athletic trainers because of that. Um, and you're just such an important part of the field because you are a lot of times the initial exposure for patients to the athletic training profession. Um, having worked in the collegiate one, you'd either have some really good people that came in and wanted to use your services, or you'd have the ones that never wanted to come see you because they thought that that was going to mean they were sitting out no matter what they came and saw you for. Um, so that again, such an important role within the profession. That being said, balance has to be very difficult um, in terms of how you put in all the hours but not too many hours yet still operating at a high level yet still making sure that it is fair within the overall, you know, compensation value piece of it. What have you done to find balance that's allowed you to stay in your current role for going on year 11? Um, yeah. And I guess that's the end of the question. <laughs> well yeah the, the secondary school can be crazy at times we've got you know at norwalk we have um if you count multi-sports like 800 student athletes but without multi-sports like 500 um so it, it's hard um but kind of once you get into it you get you find that groove for your day-to-day -day, even though no day's the same um you're able to multitask even though my wife tells me there's no true multitasking which i i do believe you find ways to juggle and um get through the hecticness especially that that post post day rush um to find the balance really you got to figure out what works for you and kind of what works for the teams in the season um you know every season is busy in its own right the, 
fall is busy from the amount of athletes spring as the same amount of athletes plus more home events um so you got to kind of figure out how to how to make things work for each season um and for each team which can be tough um, but a lot of it comes down to i think um trying not to take too much on yourself uh one of the things that I still battle, which I kind of was thinking about last week um, as well is, especially for new ATs, um, you can't care more about the injury than the student athlete themselves. You can't beat your head against the wall if the kid's not showing up. Like you said, there's some that are great about showing up and they're involved and want to get better. And there's some that just don't understand necessarily the importance of rehab or or different things like that where you you don't necessarily need to go and track them down and hold their hand and, and go through all that because they need to take an active role and, and you know we're dealing with teenagers and they might not see the importance at this you know at my level about doing rehab or doing this if they can play they're going to play whether it's it's an ache or a pain, or if it's limiting them just a little bit, if they can play, that's all they really care about. So you kind of need to educate, show them the value, show them the importance, educate them about what's going on, what they can be doing, how it can get them better. Um, but you need to also make them an active part of their recovery process um, and be a stakeholder essentially, um, and buy into, to what you have going on. Um, that'll make it a whole lot better. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the micro level there overall, a lot of the times, you know, just setting boundaries as needed. Like if teams practicing on a Saturday, be like, coach, I've got four people that need tapes. Can you do it for them? And they're like, yep, no problem. Or you just say, this is what's going on with them. Uh, I can't be there, you know, carry out this plan as we need to. Um, there's also, you know, postseason, a lot of the weekends that the kids practice. Um, I take the toddler in with me. He loves it. He likes to try and help tape, um, go into the gym or go out on the, the soccer field and, and kick or push ball around. I mean, and, and just incorporating the family there. So you don't miss out, um, on even more. I like that part. I like getting the little one involved. Um, the kids at the school love it. The coaches love it. I love it. Uh, my toddler loves it. Little things like that, um, can make a big difference where it's not, Oh, I have to go in on Saturday. It's like, sweet. Finn and I get to go on Saturday and see the kids. Um, we'll be in there for a little bit taping. It'll be a fun time. Um, so kind of doing those things, not taking too much on, ask for help. That's the other thing. You know, I, I think I keep talking about collaboration within yeah. the school, but collaborate with other healthcare providers. If you got, you know, a PT clinic, PT you trust, doc you trust, whatever you need, just like, Hey, I, I can't take this on right now, or you're going to fall through the cracks. I got a lot of kids who, um, I'm like, I your timing doesn't work out well. It comes, your only available time is during the busiest day. I can't do one-on-one. -on -one. Can you go see um, the PT at the clinic? They can do a little bit more one-on-one -on -one, and then we'll do everything else we can here. Um, or, hey, I don't, 
I can't figure out what's going on. I feel, you know, feel free to refer, collaborate with docs or other sports med or other allied healthcare professionals where you're not trying to figure it out yourself and sure. trying to, you know, pull your hair out because you're, you've got a hard case when you've got a hundred other kids to, to juggle. Um, just kind of finding those things um, and asking for help um, and finding what works best for you in your setting, I think, um, is the best way to go about that. How did you work through or kind of eventually kind of let go of some of those things? Like you mentioned, you know, a couple of kids needed tape and a coach was able to do it for you. Um, or, you know, here's the plan. You know, I'm not going to be able to make it in today for practice, but here you go. Hey, you know, did you really get any, maybe initially, but how did it go, you know, blowback from that? Because uh, I think sometimes we we talk that up in our head bigger than it uh, is a bigger issue than it maybe right. it actually would be. You know, for me personally, I went through my entire high school career without an athletic trainer. I had no idea what one was. Um, and they just, it didn't exist in our um, high school. And we all survived. You know, th things happened, but, you know, everybody ultimately made it through, thankfully. But how did you personally kind of work through, like, letting go of some of those things or being, you know, allowing yourself to trust that potentially what's going to get needs to get done is going to get done, even if you're not directly there. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that. And there's just that need, which is not necessarily a bad trait to be there, but can lead you to just being there all the time. Um, even if it maybe isn't necessary. I I'm still working on it. Um, you know, my wife Fair helps question. me work Fair on answer. that. Yeah. My wife helps me work on that a lot too. I really, um, I did that a ton growing up single guy. I put all my, mm. all my chips in one basket. You know, I was an athletic trainer. That's what kind of defined me. And now that I'm, you know, I've got my family, I've, it, that's really what's been kind of the, the turning point that has helped me pull back a little bit where I don't need to go in on a Saturday or I don't need to do this if I have my coaches available um, because it's not worth missing time at home um, if it's something little. And really, that's what 911 is for. And if it's something major, call 911. If it's it's our coaches are trained in prevention and care. They can tape, they can take care of the little things and the kid can follow up with me, you know, as soon as possible when I am available. Um, it, it has been hard pulling back in certain, certain instances, but really you just need to, again, find that balance in your life and find what works um, for you and, and pull back and realize that certain things aren't as important as, as you think they are, the kids and coaches will get by without you. And actually it's probably going to make them appreciate you a little bit more. A lot of the times kids will, if it's a Saturday game or something, I, I don't tape them for They're like, Oh my goodness, like coach or this other person taped me. And it was so tight, you know, and they, they complain about it. And then I'm always, I always say, Oh, that, that means you appreciate me. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate <laughs> you. Um, but so it, you just, you had to figure out something you got to give. You can't do it all. 
um, and you got to just prioritize. And I'm still working on those things. Um, like I said, one compromise has been taking the kids in when I need to, um, which has worked out very well. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's just saying, I've got this plan in place. Coaches are just fine to do it. We're all going to be on the same page. Um, it'll work out. And I don't need to pull myself away from whatever plans I had, whether it's small and just, you know, going to the park with the family or going to the pumpkin patch, um, yeah. things like that. You just have to figure it out. And um, it's hard, especially um, it was hard for me early on. But now that you've got the family, um, it's been a lot easier. So depending on the athletic trainer, you know, if you don't, have something specific you can still find a reason to get away go do something you enjoy go do go on a hike go fishing go whatever your hobby is you can take time away to do that you don't have to make time for your hobby outside of you know your work schedule you can adjust your work schedule to make to make both work yep i agree that was one thing i was trying to especially in a later role is you know all these sport coaches are usually just a oh, sport coach. So yes, they're very busy for a defined period of time, but then they can kind of downshift, especially in the secondary school setting. You don't really have that ability because it's you in this instance and however many sports and hundreds and hundreds of athletes. And so just kind of keeping in mind that you trying to live up to all those other levels is just, there's just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. And I've been, again, I'm lucky with the coaches that we have at my school where it's not necessarily them pushing me. It had always been, I wanted this level of care for our programs and for our kids. And it was just me figuring out over the years that I can still achieve a high level and I don't have to physically be there where I have other resources that we can utilize, whether it's the coaches or, or different aspects like that. Um, Just, flipping that that switch in my brain where it's not all me we can still achieve a high level um by going a different route i like it anything else you want to cover kind of around this uh these couple topics we have been and if not ready for the athletic training chat questions um, I, you mentioned your division three experience and, um, you know, you couldn't do secondary school. I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I couldn't do the opposite, you know, sure. going to and, and playing at a division three and working alongside those athletic trainers through that program, you know, they're, though your guys' crossover seasons are insane as well. So, you know, every, every setting has its advantages, disadvantages. Um, secondary school can be crazy, um, busy, but it, it can, it's very rewarding. What I love about um, the secondary school level, if anyone is interested in going into it and thinking about it, it's great. You get to know the kids for four years. You get to know the families within the community. So I get multiple kids from each family and I get to learn each personality and deal with the family and, you know, really get to know families within the community and build those relationships. It's, it's really rewarding. Um, 
so it kind of offsets a little bit of the craziness um but it's it's a great setting um even though it can be pretty insane um for sure so it's it's not for everyone um but yeah i couldn't do some other settings either so i've kind of lucked out it, it works for me um and I'm, I'm happy to to be where i am that's good to hear now ready for those yeah ready for the at chat questions you bet all right um so i gave them a heads up these are the same five but we're adding one uh so people that have been listening before you'll start hearing a new one come out um but we'll save that one towards the end um where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years and i feel like this could be very interesting as there seems to be a shortage uh, currently yeah um you know i thought about this one i think everyone's thought about this one lately just with everything that's going on and i i don't want to be too negative um because there's a lot of negativity out there right now with the shortages and the the new cpc that's been brought up um for continuing ed and and all that so it could be i i worry about the profession a little bit but um i don't necessarily want to go down that path i think we all have concerns um we don't need to keep beating a dead horse with those um what i really like and am optimistic about the athletic training profession is all the non-traditional settings um the industrial military you know just the clinical ats like like your new role um we were getting a couple of those here kind of locally as well nice we have an athletic trainer at one of our concussion clinics who is who's great to work with he's a great advocate um great collaborator with us um so those clinical roles i think are gonna just i think continue to expand and improve um which which will be a benefit with our redeployment last year with the COVID shutdown, we were redeployed within our hospital system and we, we kind of fell into um, this call center for the staffing for the hospital incident command system. And we were working alongside the IRT nurses, the in internal resource team, um, where we were shifting nurses and patient care techs around through the hospital based on the needs with, with all the COVID issues going on. Um, and what that kind of showed me is that we can work anywhere. Um, our skill set lends to a, a wide variety within the healthcare system. The IRT team, the nurses really didn't know what athletic trainers were when we first started. Um, so we kind of explained it. Um, but it, as we worked together over those couple months, they, they saw that we, you know, we're quick thinking that we can deal with um high pressure situations we are always looking at and assessing what went well what didn't go well what can we change um and so that process kind of just made me realize that we can kind of fit in in a wide variety of settings and apply the skills that we have as athletic trainers and improve different healthcare settings i think Clinically, um, there's a huge, huge opportunity for athletic training. Um, I'm thinking like our local family physician clinic, how great would it be to have an athletic trainer in there where I could send a, a concussed student athlete in 
um, or an ortho, and that's a point person that they see before they see the, the primary care physicians. And we can figure out the, the routes of care and the plans of care together. Um, so I think that's a great opportunity. I know there's um, lots of other opportunities and aspects that the profession is growing. There's lots of worries for our progression as well, but um, athletic trainers are innovative. We can work through issues. So hopefully after all is said and done, um, there's going to be probably lots of stress and, and trials coming up, but um, our profession, I think we can work through whatever is coming at us and hopefully come out stronger on the other side. I like the optimistic spin on it. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I agree for all the troubles. Hopefully you come out of it much better on the back end. Hopefully. What advice would you go back and give yourself as a young athletic trainer? If you could kind of set when that would be. Um, so thinking about this one, it's, it's the same advice that I used to give the students that I had as a clinical preceptor um, when I had students come from one of the local athletic training programs. Um, it's, you know, don't be afraid to say that you, that you don't know. Ask for help. Um, be open to learning. Continue to go from there. When I was first out at Hudson um, way back in probably 2006, you know, explaining to a kid like, man, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Let me look it up tonight. Let me talk to somebody and we can come back tomorrow. Um, and I feel like lots of times we feel like we have to have an answer, but feel free to tell the athletes or patient that I'm not sure. Let me think about it. Let me look it up. Let me talk to some people and then come back to the table uh, with the new, a new perspective, or even just be open to me like, I, I'm not sure. Let's collaborate with this provider or this other healthcare professional um, and work through it. You don't have to have all the answers. And um, being open with that is, um, I know for me, the first time I did that I was kind of freeing. I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. And I went, pulled open my book, I think before I left the parking lot and kind of started working through it. Um, and it was, it was a good feeling where, especially early on as an early athletic trainer, there's lots of fake it till you make it where you, as long as you act confident, especially with high school kids in the setting uh, that I was at, they'll believe you with what you tell them, but that doesn't mean you have to make something up, be right. open and willing to admit when you don't know, and that's really is going to make you become a lifelong learner and open to um, learning opportunities and collaborations that you might not have had if you were just trying to do it all on your own. I always enjoy that kind of puzzle aspect of it because you can always learn something you'll never know at all. Yeah. And that was eye-opening even just coming into the clinic. You know, we're talking about wrist joints that just never considered before in my life because I never had to and it's yeah. just like, oh crap I need to brush up on some stuff <laughs> oh, um, I hear you uh, what has been the most influential resource that you have found in your career uh, the most influential is just other athletic trainers really I my mentor in undergrad um, Sean McCarthy was 
awesome. He was my athletic trainer for soccer. He's kind of who showed me the profession. And then I was lucky enough to work under him as a student. I had, he was my preceptor my whole senior year. So I worked with him while I played soccer in the fall. I was with him for basketball in the winter and then softball in the spring. And he really gave me the autonomy um, to develop my skills and feel more comfortable working on my own. So I, I felt much better based on his mentorship going into um, graduate school and, and working profession um, based on that. When I was at grad school and another mentor, Dave Fricky, um, who he was kind of my supervisor. And then when I joined the team as a full-time athletic trainer, he, you know, being a coworker, he still, he's so knowledgeable, such a great guy, so caring, um, learned an incredible amount from him. Um, so I can't thank him enough either. Um, and now, you know, just as a working professional, my coworkers having, having people to bounce ideas off of, talk about the profession, you know, the good and the bad, especially currently, um, to bounce situations off. I went out to, to eat with a coworker the other day. I think we talked for like two hours, just about different nice. things going on at our schools, but having those resources to um, support you, bounce ideas off of um, is fantastic. And, you know, just, other athletic trainers within our profession going to our state athletic training society meeting or our district meetings and seeing other athletic trainers that I haven't seen for a while. I'm like, Oh, know them from undergrad or I know them from graduate school, or I just know them from their name or working across the field from them for 10 years or, or however long it's been, you know, you can pull ideas from them like they're doing something at that school that's awesome. I want to pull that and do it at my school or just going up and talking to them about, hey, I saw this or I had this idea. What are you thinking? I'm really leaning on other athletic trainers, um, whether it's a mentor, coworker, or someone that you're not even that close with. Um, you can, athletic trainers are great. We can lean on each other. We can collaborate. Um, and help grow individually and professionally. Um, that's been the most influential for me is just other athletic trainers. Um, it's been great. It's a relatively common resource and couldn't agree more, so. Yeah. Well, and I enjoy all the AT podcasts out there um at chat's great you get great guests on um where we can learn different aspects that we might not have had experience with or different insights um things like that so thanks for having me on i don't hopefully i can contribute a little bit like that but there, there's a wealth of knowledge within our profession out there so um you just have to be willing to kind of seek those relationships and, and seek those opportunities Absolutely. That was a subtle or not so subtle selfish reason for starting because I've gotten to meet some people that I know I would never have met before. Um, and it's made it awesome in that regard uh, to just be able to pull upon that from time to time. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, mindset, or whatever you choose in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Uh, thinking on this one for a while, you know, 
The best one I can come up with, I think in an ideal world, athletic trainers are no longer a luxury. It's, it's a necessity and every school or every program would have an athletic trainer. And, you know, whether that's club sports all the way up through professionals, that would be amazing. And I know with the AT shortage, budget constraints, um, it's always going to be an issue, but having it be commonplace and having stakeholders and schools and groups um, see the value, I think really needs to happen. And I mean, that that's, again, just the ideal situation. I, there's not much more I can say with that. I, every, especially coming from a, a parent standpoint, I would, every game that my kid was, was playing in, in high school, I wanted an athletic trainer there for my toddler when he's coming up and he's playing club sports. I want an athletic trainer there. Um, it's, it should be a standard level of care that should be provided and, we're doing great work out there. So more families are getting to that same point where it should be an expectation in, in families and coaches and clubs are now seeing that value, hopefully getting more athletic trainers at competitions and within schools. I hope that it continues to build. We're going to come up with problems with shortages of ATs or budget constraints. Um, and I hope that, the value of athletic trainers isn't lost with that as well. Cause if we're just trying to get athletic trainers into schools, it also shouldn't be at no or low cost necessarily. Right. The, the stakeholders need to see the value invest in it. And then it becomes a priority where if it's just, Oh, this is what's given to the school, just like club coaches versus high school coaches. Sometimes parents put more value in the club because they're paying money for it versus the high school where it's free. It should be the same with athletic training. It's, it's a valuable service and should have value to it. And hopefully we can grow and get it mainstream where it's across the board, athletic trainers providing care at all levels um, would really, really be amazing. And hopefully we can continue to chip away at that, that dream. Agreed. Uh, so the question that wasn't listed, and you may have kind of already answered this in some of the stuff we were talking about, but how do you take care of yourself as an athletic trainer? For me, um, it's, it's finding the things outside of the job because the job takes up a lot of time where you can get your mind off work. Um, a lot of time it's working around the house, doing projects for my wife. Um, I like to go fishing when I can kind of picked up golf recently. So Friday mornings, I'll try and hit some balls or, you know, play a few, few holes, um, which is nice because typically on Friday mornings, I would just prepare for Friday night games. Sure. Um, but beyond that, you know, just when I get home, I try and flip the switch where I'm not thinking about work. Um, and I talk to my wife about her day. I talk to my wife about my day, but then I kind of leave it at that. I try not to dwell on what's going on at work and try and focus on what's, what's going on at home. 
Um, luckily with the toddler, there's lots of games to play, books to read. That really helps um, take my mind off of work and unplug. Um, so that's that's really helped out. But you you do have to make a an effort at times to uh, to get away or to find the time to do the things you enjoy and not just work yourself uh, to the core and to take your mind off it. You got to carve that time out sometimes. I like it. Uh, last question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Being an athletic trainer to me is just means that we are the front line of defense for injuries. Um, really, we're the first ones to be there for the athlete and the family when something happens, whether it's, you know, usually it's, it's my own, my own kids, but it could be an opposing kid. Um, we had a incident at state wrestling um, and during my career where it was an opponent who had a potential C-spine. As soon as I saw that uh, the athletic trainer who was covering the meet, I knew him from previous work experience. I knew as soon as he kind of activated the, the emergency action plan, um, I stepped up, went up, just held the kid's hand, tried to keep him calm, tried to control his breathing. Um, just being that front line, whether it's your own student athlete or another, we're there to support the kids, to take care of them, to get them, um, take care of the athlete, so that whether it's an emergency or it's just simple, hey, this is what's going on. This is how you take care of it. This is the process you need to navigate within the healthcare system, giving that family that reassurance about the injury um, and what's going on. Just being the frontline person um, is, is vital. And that, that's the first thing I think about when uh, I think about athletic training. I like it. I really like your no matter the uniform they wear. I think that's really important and well said. Uh, kind of in closing, if people wanted to reach out to you and connect, uh, what would be the best way for them to do so? And we'll also link all this up on your episode page. Gotcha. Uh, I'm active on Twitter. Uh, my personal page is sand underscore ATC. Um, I have a Warrior Sports Med for the school as well. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not very active on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. Um, even though my wife tells me I should be, uh, <laughs> you can reach out through email, either petersand at norwalk.k12.ia.us. I know that's a long one. Um, or my work email is peter.sand at athletico.com. Um, feel free to reach out if you want to connect, um, have questions or comments or, or anything, I'd be happy to touch base. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad we finally got this scheduled and I was able to actually make it. So appreciate your flexibility and willingness to wait, wait it out with me. No problem. I'm happy we connected. You know, I, I believe in the throw a lifeline program you got going. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I wish I would have had that back in my day and that's sure. why I've donated and I'll continue to donate even if it's just a little bit here and there because man when I first started out I showed up at Hudson and I had a yellow toolbox with I think tape 
pre-wrap gauze and those horrible vinyl super powdery gloves um i had nothing uh so this is a great program and if we can get some some valuable supplies to a, a different athletic trainer in need i'm all for that so hopefully we can keep that program going um we can get the listening views up so you can get some donated money that way and we can keep that rolling and and get some more supplies to some athletic trainers that need them. I appreciate that. We'll do our part on our end to get that up and running at full force again. So well, I appreciate the time and look forward to connecting again in the future. Me too. Thanks for having me on.